Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Anesthesia Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Morgan Edwards, the President of the New Zealand Society of Anesthetists. Whether you are at home or work or on your daily commute or run, we look forward to connecting you with what's happening in anesthesia across the motu and beyond. This episode, we are highlighting the Aotearoa Anesthesia ASM coming up in November. For 2023, we head to hosting city Ultipoti Dunedin from the 9th to the 11th of November. The conference is a combined anesthesia event jointly hosted by the NZSA, ANSCA and NZATS. Later in the episode, I speak with invited international speaker, Professor Francis Chung, but first, convener Priya Shanmugadathan and scientific program convener Matt Sumner are joining me. Kia ora Priya and Matt and welcome. Thanks so much, Morgan. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah. That's sort of a lie. This is terrifying for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Very excited and honoured that you want to talk to us. So, Ulteporti Dunedin. 2023 how exciting is there a theme for this conference uh yeah there is um there was quite a lot of debate amongst the committee but we all um managed to settle on impact cool and how did you come about with impact um I guess we wanted a theme that was intentionally broad um and impact sort of fits that bill it allows for a wide range of talks and um sort of emphasises the far-reaching effects of anaesthesia research and practice and advancements. Um, But in particular, we wanted to focus on how our incredible career impacts on us as anaesthetists and our colleagues and really the world around us. Um, And I guess secondary to that is how we as anaesthetists can um, really positively impact patient care and improve outcomes. Yeah, I like that. It's really far-reaching, isn't it? And so then when you came to the theme, did it influence how you, like the speakers that you approached and the topics that you wanted to include in the program? Yeah, for sure. From there, we, um, like you mentioned, approached um, speakers and designed the program to cover the range of topics that relate back to our central tenants. Um, so our other priorities, I suppose, were to ensure that we had um, sort of a diverse and really balanced pool of speakers. But also, very importantly, I just wanted to mention that... Um, Part of the the reasoning behind the theme of impact is that we really wanted to honour the immense um, contribution that Associate Professor John Ritchie has made to our profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably know, Morgan, John's home in Dunedin was in fact the venue um, for the first ever meeting that included three others from Auckland and Wellington and Christchurch, and that established the New Zealand Society, um, mm. which is pretty incredible, really. Really, really incredible. Matt, we were talking before we started about being scientific convener and how it is such an immense amount of mahi. And I had a small window of insight into that when I was co-scientific convener in 2020 for a much smaller meeting. Um, And so I, I really do appreciate how difficult it is pulling together a scientific program. What led you to approach these two specific international speakers, your professors Emery Brown and Francis Chung, and invite them to come to Ortipoti and speak with us? Um, I guess really, we, with the theme of impact, we wanted to have really big, high impact hitting speakers. So when deciding on our initial, I guess we wanted world renowned, but speak speakers, but speakers that we had heard about and knew that were engaging speakers as well. Um, but also speakers who hadn't 
previously or recently spoken to the New Zealand or Australian audiences, so something new um, for delegates to come and experience. And actually, I think we nailed it. Uh, we've, got, yeah. we've got two absolutely amazing speakers. Yeah, I agree. Firstly, Professor Francis Chunk, uh, anaesthetist, prolific perioperative researcher, uh, and who, amongst many other interests and achievements, revolutionised our understanding and uh, perioperative approach to obstructive sleep apnea. Mm. And our other invited speaker is Professor Emery Brown, who's an anaesthetist, neuroscientist, and a seriously big deal in the medical scientific community in the US. In fact, he's the first anaesthetist ever to be elected to membership of all three American national academies, medicine, science, and engineering. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he's a big deal. And one of his major research focuses is the um, neurophysiology of general anaesthesia. And without giving too much away, his talks are planning to explore the mechanisms behind uh, how general anaesthesia actually produces unconsciousness. So finally, we might have an answer to that. <laughs> and, and also how we can use, uh, use brain monitoring to optimize our perioperative management of patients. So I'm really excited about both these two speakers and their talks. Yeah, I was um, listening to some of uh, Professor Chung's um, podcasts that she's done in the past over the weekend. And I have to put my hand on my heart and say I did not realize that she is the reason for the um, stop ban criteria. That is totally news to me. And perhaps many or most of our listeners would already have known that. And I'm just that one person out in the weeds. <laughs> but wow, what a phenomenal person to have coming. Yeah, it's such a crazy experience inviting these speakers as well. Just send them a, a cold email out the blue. <laughs> and both of them very, very quickly responded uh, and said, yes, we'd love to come over to New Zealand and talk to you. And I think that just highlights the strong reputation of Australasia anaesthesia and kind of yeah. the, the worldwide reputation we have. Yeah, it is. You know, and I often think about when you then see these people in the flesh for the first time and you just have such an immense amount of respect for them. Um, and it's a little bit like seeing a celebrity. And I really can't wait for that experience um, when they come down to Otapoti. Dunedin is such a special place when it comes to the history of anaesthesia and you've just included also such um, a lo lo lot of local influence throughout the programme. You know, was this something of importance to you in planning the program? It's really the close links with the university that um, we still have today. So for a long time, Dunedin, I believe, was the only medical school in Aotearoa. So it really is historically an important place for the development of some of our, um, in fact, probably many of our current anaesthetists in New Zealand. Mm. So, yeah, we definitely planned from a very early stage to showcase some of that incredible work that's coming out of Otago. Um, and we wanted to showcase some of the talks from our very high-achieving colleagues from Dunedin and, in particular, the South Island as well. And can you maybe give us a little teaser of some of the locally-themed talks that we can look forward to? Yeah, we're going to include some of the excellent work that's been, um, that's been currently conducted in the university. So we've got the an insight into the world-famous Dunedin study, which is a longitudinal epidemiological study of the health and development of a cohort of babies uh, born in the early 70s, and it's still going today. So it's past its 50th year, and it's produced heaps of, heaps of research and heaps of influential publications that have shaped national and international policy. We have Associate Professor Gemma Geegan, who will talk us through her pivotal role in sequencing the COVID virus and Associate Professor Yusuf Kakmak, who will show off some of his amazing wearable monitoring devices from his um, innovative tech lab. 
Uh, and then some of the high-profile local South Island speakers throughout the program. Uh, we've got Eharangi Joe Baxter, who's the current dean of Takura Faiora at Otopoti, the Dunedin School of Medicine, who's been instrumental in significantly increasing recruitment, retention and achievement of Maori st uh, students into medical school and other health professions. We've got Associate Professor Wayne Morris, who's the current president of the World Federation of Society of Anesthesiologists, the first New Zealander to hold this role, and Dr. Courtney Thomas, who is currently completing her PhD focusing on Maori experiences of anesthesia, and also many, many more locals and South Islanders who are um, experts in their fields. So really excited about the kind of local influence to the program. Wow, what an incredible array of people. I think that they're just going to bring such an amazing breadth and not just focusing on anaesthesia, but to hear about how well that medical school is going with the Māori recruitment would be phenomenal. Um, yeah, how exciting. And now you've finished with a closing plenary that you've titled Defending Our Future. This sounds quite heavy and interesting. What topics can we expect to see covered in this session? Yeah, it does sound a bit heavy, doesn't it? <laughs> um, our idea for this session really was to finish the meeting with a bit of a bang and to challenge the delegates by discussing topics that will have an increasing impact on our work and lives uh, moving forward. And I guess what's going to have more impact in the future than the global health crisis that is climate change? Uh, so... Our first speaker in the closing plenary is the NZSA sponsor speaker, Dr. Craig Ellis, who is an emergency physician and the deputy clinical director of Hone St. John. He was on the ground in the Hawke's Bay uh, during the recent cyclone Gabriel, and he's going to share with us the impact of that terrible disaster, what lessons were learnt during the response, and how we can best prepare our responses for future natural disasters. Uh, following this, we'll have an update on the new anaesthetic technician degree, which I'm sure everyone working in theatres will agree could have massive implications on our future work. And finally, we'll take a dive into the challenges involved in planning future healthcare infrastructure and models of care, as uh, one of our local colleagues, Dr. Sheila Barnett, will talk to us about what she has learned in her role as chairwoman of the Clinical Transformation Group for the New Dunedin Hospital Project. Yes, you know, speaking of the update on the AUT qualification, you know, I spend so much of my time as NZSA president um, involved in Korero about this. And certainly the podcast has most recently featured um, Matt Lawrence talking about the AT workforce. Um, and it reminds me, this is a joint anesthesia meeting, which is so exciting, and it's been a while since we've done this. How have you shaped the program to be inclusive? We have been so cognizant of um, maintaining a technician speaker present in as many sessions as possible, as well as obviously running a parallel program tailored just for them. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's been no secret that our technician colleagues are stretched at the moment. Um, and so hopefully this will give us an opportunity to recognise their contribution and celebrate the work they do and the passion and the commitment they bring. We really have tried to focus the programme for the sessions that are joint sessions to, to be relevant to both, including the, you know, the environmental, environmental impact of our work, the personal impact of our working environments, uh, you know, the importance and impact of communication. And now let's talk about workshops. I feel like workshops sell out. They can be a real highlight of a conference. What workshop opportunities would you encourage delegates to get onto booking ASAP? Oh, everything. Book everything as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've, got, 
we've got such a great range of workshops uh, for delegates to choose from. I'm sure, I'm sure they will all be in high demand. Uh, we've got for those delegates looking to sign off their emergency responses before of the uh, before the end of the year CPD cycle. We've got anaphylaxis and emergency neck rescue sessions. Uh, for those delegates looking to upskill, uh, we have the options of advanced airway techniques, regional anesthesia, uh, and a couple of days prior to the conference, actually a two-day focused echo course, which is the, the race uh, focused echo course. And mm -hmm. finally, we're really excited to be um, able to offer delegates the chance to attend the crash course, a mm. day-long simulation-based course uh, designed for anaesthetists and critical care physicians to you know, refresh their skills before returning to work after a prolonged break. And I think it's the first time this course has been offered face-to-face -face in New Zealand for quite a few years. As somebody who had a prolonged t time off work with maternity leave, um, and I didn't have that crash course face-to-face -face available to me, but speaking to people who did, that ability to actually connect with other people, other anaesthetists that are in the same boat with you, and whether that's for maternity leave or prolonged leave for another reason, um, not feeling like you're the only person that's a little bit frightened about putting a cannula in again for the first time. And now, so much of what brings people together is the social side, so let's chat about the gala dinner. It's described as the gala dinner that's not a gala dinner. This sounds incredibly interesting. What can we look forward to? <laughs> Um, I guess some of the um, challenges, but also the thing that makes Dunedin quirky is that we have um, to work with the venues that we have. So um, the venue that we've chosen is the museum, and we really wanted to utilise its unique and kind of interactive qualities as best as possible. So we made the decision that the dinner wouldn't be formally seated as I think mm. we're normally used to. Mm. Um, so instead, you can absolutely expect to be thoroughly wined and dined and fully entertained. Um, but in order to um, encourage you to explore the museum, um, there will be some flow and you will be encouraged to move about and discover all mm. of the many secrets we have um, installed for you. Um, mm. And we've uh, employed ushers in the form of magicians and jugglers and circus um, circus-themed people who um, are, in their own rights, incredibly skilled at what they do. So I'm super excited uh, for all of it. That sounds so cool. <laughs> I'm really, really looking forward to it. Now, the conference finishes around lunchtime on the Saturday, which gives the delegates an opportunity to spend the weekend exploring Otipoti Dunedin. As locals, what would you guys recommend as must-do? Um, well, so despite having a reputation for bad weather, uh, we frequently actually get beautiful fine days here in Otapodi Dunedin, what we locals like to call Dunner Stunners. Uh, so, when we get, <laughs> <laughs> so when we get the inevitable Dunner Stunner following the conference, uh, my recommendation really is to get active outdoors. Uh, for those who like serious tramping or trail running, I'd suggest getting out into the Silver Peaks. Uh, for those who want a good walk closer to the city, heading up the Pineapple Track to Flagstaff for amazing views over the harbour, or out onto the peninsula to walk the wild windswept beaches and uh, take in some of the wildlife. Uh, if swimming's more your thing, then I highly recommend getting to the open-air saltwater pool in St. Clair. Amazing venue. But whatever activity you end up doing, I think finishing it off on the beachfront in St. Clair with an ice cream, coffee, or a glass of uh, wine. That's how I'd spend my day. 
Yeah, and I think that I'm equally speaking to people who are super excited to get back there, who went to med school down there, and it's just a really big trip of nostalgia, um, as well as people like myself who have only are either not been at all or are only fleetingly passed through. And then I guess one last question to finish. In one sentence, what are each of you most looking forward to at the ASM? So I guess for me... Um Following the COVID hiatus, I think we're all excited about in-person meetings and rekindling our professional relationships. So I guess I'd have to say I'm most looking forward to showing off our impactful program and our beautiful city whilst reconnecting with our anaesthetist and anaesthetic technician colleagues and friends from across New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, I mean, I'd echo that. I trained in Tamaki Makoto and I am just so looking forward to seeing some friendly faces in the audience and reconnecting with um, kind of colleagues and mentors of past. Um, it will just be so nice to catch up with people and hopefully they enjoy the program. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to. Um, it's it sounds you know, and we talk about this often um, about what what entices people to come to conferences. When I say we, I mean like when when sort of future conveners meetings and you know at that sort of NZSA, ANSCA, ASA level, um, and you sort of look across everything, and it's so often it's the fact you know the opportunity to get together. And I think that's a massive draw card for people. Um, it'll be the destination um, and what's on offer there, and then it will be the scientific program. And I really deeply feel, even more so after speaking to the two of you, that you've nailed all three with this conference. And there's just so much to look forward to. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see each other in person in a few months. Thank you. Thanks, Morgan. And now I am joined by Professor Francis Chung, who is based in Toronto, where it is currently nighttime, um, and we are the day ahead and in the morning. Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Chung. Thank you. So I thought we'd just leap right in and learn a little bit about you, um, but also not try and spoil what things you're going to be speaking to us about in Aotearoa, Dunedin. Um, so tell us, where did you train and what inspired you to work in anesthesia? Um, I am actually in, originally from Hong Kong and I trained in Hong Kong as the medical school, um, Hong Kong University. And then I go to University of Toronto to actually do anesthesia training. When I first started, I actually wanted to be a general practitioner. But after six months, I quickly realized that that is not my vocation. <laughs> and so to anesthesia, I really have enjoyed this, you know, throughout my career. It's the best choice that I have done. It's quite a big change. Was there somebody in particular that inspired you to work in anesthesia? Um, I, I, I think probably um, what I did is some friends were doing it and they enjoy it. So this is why I switched. Fantastic. Well, we're very pleased as an anesthesia community as a whole that you did make the change. And so in your opinion, what are the top current perioperative issues in anesthesia? I, I do think anesthesiologists are very, very good um, actually to allow um, and study anesthetic issue intra. There are many studies on types of anesthetic and also the anesthesia techniques. 
However, I don't think we have spent so much time to study the pre-op issues and the post-op issues. In the pre-op issues, I do think, you know, cognition is an important issue. Sleep apnea is an important issue. And also some of the issues about patients' um, assessment. Um, the reason being that there are over 300 million surgery being done nowadays, and half of them are in patients over 65. And they also account for 50% of the post-op complication. So I do think anesthesiologists have to look beyond the operating room and go to involve ourselves in the pre-op area. Similarly, I do think we need to actually also involve ourselves in the post-op area because in the post-op area, often the surgeons are actually looking at the patient and taking care of the patient. And it becomes a no man's land when there's medical issue. And I do think if we actually go into that area, we would expand our area so much more. Yes, I think that that's so accurate. I mean, when I look at, you know, the data from the Reason trial in 2010 showing that any person over 70 having surgery requiring at least one night's stay, one in five will have a major post-op complication. And, the you know, the post-op death rate is around one in 20 in that population. Um, and that's just really alarming, isn't it? We're good at keeping people safe in the operating room. And it's that time afterwards um, where we really need to be more involved. Exactly, you're right. Yeah. Where do you feel then that we should be focusing our research efforts in the perioperative area? Yeah, well, I, I do think, again, um, there is a growing area of older patients, right? And there is what is so-called grey tsunami coming. And with that, we do think that... Um, uh, anesthesiologists should focus on the older population because that's the predominant uh, population that is coming to the operating room. And second, the other thing that is an issue is if you look at um, malignant hyperthermia, there are deaths and mortality in MH patients. Um, but it is not an issue anymore. It's only in the early 70s. We never really have any issue. And the thing is, it is because we did research in that area, we know all about it and we know how to prevent it and how to treat it. But for obstructive sleep apnea, we do not know a lot. And we actually are not spending time. And we don't even know as anesthesiology if the patient died in the post-op, um, in the surgical ward. We don't even know that they died from sleep apnea. So I do think that like MH is a very rare event, but one death is too many. So I do think that is an important issue. And monitoring is another important issue in the post-op area. So is opioid-induced respiratory depression because that is uh, 0.5% and five patients in every 1,000 patients have opioid um, respiratory depressions. It's just alarming statistics to think about, isn't it? Um, just to pivot now completely, 
you have just got such an impressive number of publications and citations. It is truly humbling um, for somebody who is not active in the research space to see what incredible work you have been doing. Do you have any advice for somebody who is currently working through publishing their first paper? Um, I, I think, um, first, thanks very much, Morgan. You also have a very impressive CV and record and social media presence. So you're doing a lot as well in the OB and CCF. Um, I do think that um, it's easier to publish if you are able to do a case report or case series. And the other one that is easy to publish is systematic review and meta-analysis. Because if you actually do those, it is easier than a clinical trial. The clinical trial do need to write a protocol, get ethics approval, collect data analysis. So those are much easier. And the other one is to work with somebody else who is already doing it and be part of the team. And that also would be much easier than doing it alone. Yes, that's fantastic advice. When I think about the ethics approval process, I know for many it presents such a large hurdle that, especially when you're a junior doctor, you've often moved on or moved hospitals by the time that very arduous process has gone through. Um, and so that's fantastic advice. Also, immense congratulations on the many awards you've received for your research. This would have required some immense mahi, which is the Māori word for hard work. What are some of the challenges that you've faced along the road to becoming such a prominent figure in anesthesiology and research? I, I think um, as a female, um, you actually will have children. And also there are other activities um, in the home that you're responsible. I am actually very lucky because my mother did help me um, when the children are young. And also my husband is a professor in finance. So he has more regular hours um, rather than our irregular hours being on call. So those are very helpful. But on the other hand, I think um, I'm very lucky indeed is um, actually find a topic that nobody has done. And so when I first started, I did outpatient anesthesia or day surgery research because at that time in the 80s, it was something new. Then I switched to sleep apnea in the 90s. Again, that is something new. Nobody's doing it. So it is very easy to get things published. And, and so I do think that we need to look at um, something that is different. The other thing that is good is to join a smaller society. And you know a key group of people, work with them, and you know so that they can support you you can support them and those are very um, good to actually able to become an expert in a topic and also get research collaboration yeah absolutely having a small group of peers to collaborate and also bounce ideas off i think that that's true across you know so many parts of anesthesia not just research now, the last few years, I couldn't get through a podcast without asking you about COVID. Has COVID had much of an impact on your research projects? Um, actually, it has increased my productivity a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason is actually um, in the very beginning, our clinic are closed and we cannot go to the hospital. Mm. Um, there were a lot of issues. 
and the research actually stopped. And but what we did is we convert all our research project to be virtual online with the patient. Mm-hmm. So actually that helps. And also I am doing systematic review and meta analysis with all the students. So again, that is helpful. And people do work hard because they have nowhere to go. Um, they are actually locked in their home. So our productivity have increased our research team. Yeah. That that is so incredibly true. I mean, down here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we had a very, very tight lockdown period for a long period of time. And so really, there was very few things to be doing outside of work. Um, And we all got very um, claustrophobic being locked up in our homes and we're looking things to occupy our time. So I think that rings incredibly true for me as well. Now, it is really not that long until you join us in Otipoti, Dunedin. I know that I'm personally look, looking forward to meeting you and hearing from, you know, we've got such an incredible scientific program, but hearing from experts like yourself. What are you looking forward to in particular about visiting? So, first of all, I'd like to thank you and the um, organizer. Um, to actually invite me. This is a very rare opportunity for me. I'm really looking forward to see the beautiful city, the castle, the wildlife. And I am coming maybe one or two days earlier so that I can actually join all the tours. So thank you again uh, very much. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you in Otipoti, Dunedin. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everyone listening for joining us today. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Otipoti, Dunedin. It is a beautiful city and being smaller than the main centres, both flights and accommodation will book up quickly. So I really do encourage you, if you haven't already, to jump online and register at www.nzanesthesia.com. This is a hybrid event and virtual attendance is also available for those who aren't able to make it in person. I hope I do get to see some of you very soon. Until then, Matewa.